welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, we are just continuing to plow through our 2018 season preview series. Uh, If you have not listened to the Pac-12 win totals, make sure you go back and get that. Today, we're going to be taking our uh, attention to the Big 12. Um, We will continue to be going through the Power 5 conferences. We will have our locks at the end. Once we get through all the Power 5 conferences, Group of Five and Notre Dame, uh, bring Tom, our good buddy Tom Fernelli on in. And uh, before... Before we get into it, Barton, today we're recording on Thursday afternoon. It's been a big day at 24-7 Sports. Uh, all new updated rankings release. And how is the uh, – it's it's a tough – for the as the national director of scouting for 24-7 Sports, this week is not a – it's not really a slow week for you, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's uh, it's, been a, it's been a scramble to get the list together and the, re- the release, obviously – we got to be present on the message boards to uh, explain our decisions um, and and those sort of things. But it's you know we're, we take a lot of pride in the release. But uh, the day I can't always say release day is fun though because basically all you do is just is just hear people call you an idiot all day because not everyone can be number one. Uh, and if you're not number one, then uh, someone doesn't believe in you or you're you know you're you're doubting. You're doubting them, and so like it's it's uh, four stars are good players. High three stars are good players. Yeah, so we're is, we're, is we're, that <laughs> what gets people the most is when uh, a star is gained or lost along the way? Like yeah, at, yeah or, but they people people like dig into every little movement. Like if we move a guy down twenty spots, but he's still a top one hundred player in the country, <laughs> the the line we always get is I trust uh, Bob Stoops or I trust Nick Saban or I trust. Jimbo Fisher more than I trust a recruiting analyst. Well, okay. Like I, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but right. just because we moved him down 20 spots doesn't mean we think that Bob Stoops is not taking the right guy. Like He's still good. Or, or that the player that you moved down is any less of a player. It's a yeah, ranking against yeah, the rest of the field. It's, it's, it's not the, it's, you're not defined by your number. No, no, no. You just, we're trying to get this in the right order. It's all about, hey, we just happen to think there's a couple guys we like a little better. But it's splitting hairs, and you know we're we're working on it. So, it's, so I'm guessing that when when you're on the message board uh, with the 24/7 users, uh, you're not hearing the the reasonable explanations that I just offered. I love getting into reasonable discussions with with posters and users and 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 anybody else about opinions on kids. I really enjoy it. Like I people like people can disagree, and if they have good reason, I I, I like having those debates. Uh, but it's uh, it's not typically very reasoned discussion. It's typically uh, pretty pretty fantastical um, arguments and and, uh, and and criticism uh, name calling. So well, let's it, it, let's it lift your spirits. <laughs> let's let's lift your spirits after a day of defending <laughs> your scouting opinions. Uh, you you want to do some Pac-12 win titles? No, man, I don't want to do Pac. I mean, no Big Twelve win titles. I don't want to do Big Twelve. Big 12 does not lift my spirits because Big 12 
was hard, man. Really hard. This was really hard to pick. There's a couple I feel good about. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna voice those with with gusto. But man, the Big Twelve is hard. So we'll dig into it. But uh, for you know, on a rough day, on a rankings release day, man, this is a brutal conference to pick because I, I got a feeling a couple of these will be wrong too. Count them up. Count them up. Count them up. How many kids are gonna win this fall? How many kids are gonna win this fall? That's right. How many games? Are we going to win this fall? How many games is Oklahoma going to win this fall, Barton? We've got our over-under set, I believe, at 10 or 10 and a half. Where are you at? Let's see. Oklahoma, it's 10. Uh, the juice at the Westgate uh, currently split between over and under, both at minus 110. Um, the, the Oklahoma Sooners, we have talked about that team a lot. Uh, part of it because of the recruiting trail, part of it because of Kyler Murray. Um, you know, a good bit of time we've spent on Lincoln Riley and sort of the impressions that we had from him after year one and moving forward. Um, as, as you look at the schedule, did you, was this one of the tougher ones for you? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even say this is one of the tougher ones. I think, by the way, your, um, your jingle that, that defunct me, that got me, I'm out of my funk. Now I'm, now <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, I was scared. I was scared of this Big Twelve, this uh, the Big Twelve picks. But now I'm like I'm I'm fired up and ready to roll. Good stuff there. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I thought the I thought Oklahoma was I felt more comfortable with Oklahoma than a few of these like six win totals and 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 seven win totals out there, which we'll get to. But I guess the way I see Oklahoma is, even if they don't roll through the Big Twelve. Once again, and by the way, they they look like they're going to be okay in the non-con. Florida Atlantic, they should win. UCLA, they should win. And Army, they should win. Correct. So there's no there's no Ohio State to right. worry about. So I think that helps. And then I, I guess my argument is I, I I see eleven and one and twelve and zero being more realistic to me than nine and three. I've uh. So, so you're saying was it an over? Well, I, I mean, I've got three I here. I, I've got three games. To, if I have to pick, there's because there's a lot of the the lines that I'm looking at where we had a lot of even numbers, like right. not, like so. I, it feels like a ten and two season to me. But if I've got to go one or the other, I'm going over. Right, I'm push over, and and that's the way that I I I picked up that tab from you uh, in the last podcast. I like that we get like push over. Like I I think yeah. I think ten like, and two is probable. Um, but if, if you're going to go one way or the other, 11 and one is much more likely than nine and three with this team. Exactly. And this is a bet on Lincoln Riley, who I happen to think is as good as there is in college football right now. It's a bet on an improved defense, which was, which wasn't bad last year, but I, but I think it'll be a step forward this year. And it's a bet that an offense with all the weapons they have returning with a quarterback and Kyler Murray, who, even if he's not Baker Mayfield is still really good. It's a bet that that'll be a, an offense that really clicks throughout the year. So, I, yeah, I, I, I still – I just think this is a – I think this is a program that can absorb loss and keep, keep, keep moving. I've got, um, I've, I've got some concerns on the defensive side of the ball. Sure. 
Uh, I think I think that, and this is just you know, look at before we even get to the schedule, looking at Oklahoma in a vacuum uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Like I, I think that there are there are reasons to believe that that is not a championship caliber defense right now. Um, and offensively, you're going to have a, f- a few offensive linemen to replace, but you're still getting Rodney Anderson back at running back. You still got Calcaterra at tight end, uh, Marquise Brown, C.D. Lamb. I mean the the, everything else is there for this Oklahoma team to score 40 points a game. And in, you know, a lot of these games, I, I think that it's, if it's going to come down to, you know, more second halves, like who who's going to be able to continue scoring. It, it certainly looks like Oklahoma is going to be that team. The schedule, man, I, you mentioned the non-con I've only got three games. And again, with the, with the win total of 10, if I'm looking at the schedule and if I'm seeing nine straight up w's that's the other thing that's pushing me to the uh to the over on this one because i think at iowa state in september could be tricky like that could that could be a loss um at tcu mid-october and then at west virginia at the very end of the year and those are the only three games that i'm even considering so you didn't mention texas i did not mention texas okay so that's a little little foreshadowing of what's to come on your texas pick then if Correct. you don't even think that they're they are uh they don't have, you don't even think they have a shot at beating them then. i think i think texas and oklahoma are definitively on different tiers at the moment okay. this season I, the other thing with me with and you mentioned the defense and i do think that look like kenneth murray was a liability as a true freshman last year in the middle but he'll be a year a year matured addison gum steps in and as a sophomore, and I think is a is a big time com- contributor. They have a couple really good true freshmen on the defensive line. Bookie Radley Hiles is, I think, a I, mean, I think he's a true freshman starter that's good. Has a little bit of of uh, honey badger in him, Tyron Matthew in him. So I think that there's a lot of reason for optimism on defense there. But tell me if you're with me here. Like, look, Mike Stoops has knows more defense than I'll ever know. He, he's I'm sure he's a great coach. But don't you just sort of feel like if there was a Dave Aranda or a Mike Elko or a, I don't know, pick your elite national defensive coordinator, your Bud Foster or whatever, if there was that guy heading up this defense year in, year out, like I, I, part of me feels like that's sort of all they're missing is that guru that just is going to – you can trust to put together an outstanding defensive unit every year and I don't I just don't trust Mike Stoops in that way yeah I don't I don't trust him in that way my another reason I feel um I, f- I feel less confident that there are there's an oboe Okoronkwo you know like that whether it's an edge rusher like Okoronkwo or even in uh the last let's see I guess it's even been like three or four years but you know even when Oklahoma wasn't you know playing like lights out Wisconsin level defense um, you know, they still had a lot of game changers at linebacker, for example. Like they would have position groups that would just be absolutely loaded. And from a personnel perspective, I I'm interested to see if those playmakers step forward. And from Oklahoma people I talk to, you know, there are, like you just mentioned, there are candidates. There are players that could potentially uh step up into those kinds of roles, but without seeing it and without having a real track record of uh some elite Oklahoma defense in uh, this recent Mike Stoops era, then yeah, it's it's really really hard uh, to to feel confident like you would 
uh, if you had one of those star coordinators in place. Like if I, I, how about this? Has Oklahoma's defense been the same since Brent Venables left? That might be the question. No, no. Like, but, but yeah, like if they had Brent Venables right now, I really think that we'd be talking about a national title contender. Wow. Um, but Barton, enough info to be dangerous. Simmons still sees these names. Right. Where I, like, the, like I see, I envision a few names. It's like that guy could be special this year, but he just might not. Like I might just be wrong because it hadn't. It, it's, it's not been proven yet. But I mean, the guys are there. I think there's talent on the roster to have that sort of uh, Okoronko type of. of of impact, but we'll, we'll see if the, if anybody's ready to step up and take it over. Barton going pushed over, uh, Chip pushed over. Uh, up next, Texas at eight and a half. I have teased, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I've I've already sort of uh, shown my cards a little bit. Um, where where are you at with the Longhorns? You go first because you've already the, the suspense is gone with you. So yeah, yeah I've got o- your reasoning. I've got Oklahoma. Uh, winning in the Red River game, and I'm looking at, uh, let's see, through six games, it is possible that Texas could be two and four. It is also possible Texas could be five and one, and that's kind of in the end of that six game run. Uh, because I'm I'm assuming most listeners don't have uh their full Phil Steele out in front of them. Um, it's uh, Maryland, Tulsa, Southern Cal. TCU at Kansas State and then the Oklahoma game and Tulsa and Maryland are the only ones that I think you can look at uh, with this Texas team and be like all right that should be a win everything else is a toss-up a dangerous spot or maybe even a definitive loss uh, potentially so I I kind of think that with the tough start with me already seeing those potential pitfalls like what are you expecting from a program that, again, the numbers are eight and a half from a program that hasn't won nine games in the regular season since 2009 when they played for the BCS championship. Like I've I, got them. I've got them in that stretch. USC, TCU, Kansas State, Oklahoma. I've got them one and three, and I've got them nine and three on the year. Wow. And and that's look. Wow. Here's the problem with Texas. And here's why I'm not handing that out as my blue plate special, my five-star lock, is because, all right, last year they finished seven and six. 16, they finished five and seven. 15, they finished five and seven. 14, they finished six and seven. 13, they finished eight and five. Like, you get the point. And which one of those years were we not like, well, this is – this could be a Big 12 title team. Yeah. Like, when do we not say that about Texas? And so, I, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, so I, I, I do trust Tom Herman, and I do think that they're doing it the right way, and I do think that this team's really talented and has a lot of really good players returning, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I, and I do think Sam Ellinger is – Is he is, the guy? I don't know if he's a, like, I don't know if he's an NFL guy, but I think he's I think he's there's some he's got some some moxie to him and, and some some winner in him. I, I mean I'm I'm still enamored by his performance against USC last year, uh, and so I just I'm I, yeah like I'll I'll take my chance there. Probably the 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 analytics say or the the 
you know, the economics majors are going to be out there saying, well, why are you betting on the team that just continues to prove that they're not, uh, you know, that they're, <laughs> that they're a seven to five win team. But I, I don't know. I, I just feel like this is going it, to, at some point this turns. When, when I run all of my simulations, nine and three is the best example. Nine and three is at like the, the end of the distribution chart. Yes. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, well, let's not, let's be clear too. Like they probably have a 10 win or even 11 win talent. I mean, do that. I think that, but I think a part of the problem was they had to, they, the culture was kind of messy, but she would have been hearing that forever too. Um, offensive line, you know, they had to shore up left tackle. Calvin Anderson came in as a grad transfer from rice. You know, hopefully that's the, that's the answer there. I don't know. I just this is this. Do you think they they don't? Do you think that they don't have ten win talent? I think that they have. Uh, I do believe they have ten win talent. I think that I unfairly have changed my mind on how much I like Tom Herman after he mocked Drew Locke. <laughs> think, That's fair. I think that is fair. I think my, I hated that. my my belief in Tom Herman as the guy who's going to bring uh the Texas Longhorns back to the promised land, you know, the guy who's going to be bulletproof. I just I think that and not that I not that I'm above petty, but I just think that was just a <laughs> little bit petty and a little bit low for the head football coach of the Texas Longhorns to be mocking the 20-year-old Missouri quarterback in a bowl game. Like, I'm with you on that. Like, that was not insignificant to me. It's like, (laughs) come on, bro. Like, really? Like, this is – like, you're you're the leader of a – basically a multi-million dollar organization. Right. Like, (laughs) but whatever. I mean, Donald Trump's our president, so (laughs) it works. Yeah, I I mean, in in these times, uh, in the year of our Lord, 2018, I suppose (laughs) so. But I, yeah, I just, um, I'm not in like, uh, I mentioned this before, but, you know, doing some of the exercises that involve digging back through history, you know, you just see that these, these huge programs that expect success, like will go through long stretches where it's just like seven to eight wins or eight or nine wins. And, and it takes often uh, some combination of, you know, just a really special couple of recruiting classes, which, you know, might be there now or might be coming in soon. And it takes uh, a really strong coach and staff. And, you know, I just, I, I think that my confidence in Herman uh, has, has wavered enough for me to think at eight and a half, this is, this is ten win talent that I'm expecting to finish eight and four. Sometimes, somehow, I'm suddenly more confident in Todd Orlando than Tom Herman. Like, and and, and that's probably less. Uh, that's probably misstated. Like, I feel like Tom Herman needs to re-engage in the offense a little more because mm-hmm. that was that's ultimately the problem. Like, I'm looking at Colin Johnson, who everyone like everyone you when you, whenever you whisper the name Texas, someone yells how good Colin Johnson is, and then you look up, he had two touchdowns last year. Right. So it's like, what, what, what are we missing here? You know, Sam Ellinger and Shane Bouchelle combined for 18 touchdown passes and 11 interceptions. Like, what, like those guys are decent. And, and so why can't that equate to more productivity offensively in the Big 12 if, of all places? So there's something, there's a disconnect there that they've got to correct. And I just, I wonder if Tom Herman is going to, 
to to sit sit in on those offensive meetings a little bit more proactively this year and and maybe do some about that because somehow like the defense is a no like as a no brainer like I I trust Todd Orlando to have that squared away I just wonder if if Tom Herman's is is ready to uh, to turn it up a notch or two offensively. All right, so Barton going over, calling nine and three. Uh, Chip going under, calling eight and four. The Oklahoma State Cowboys number is at eight, and this is a this is another example that I think um, I, I looked at this number and my initial reaction was uh, to be taken aback a little bit, considering that Mike Gundy has proven time and time again the ability to to reload and find new quarterbacks and wide receivers. Mason Rudolph and James Washington are gone, but um, it is it is not crazy to think that he's going to find a way to make this Oklahoma State Cowboys offense be able to hum a little bit. And considering how many games Oklahoma State has won uh, over the last four, five, six seasons, eight would be on the low end of that. But I'm looking at the schedule, Barton, and here's how many games that I count up where I think it's either a loss or at least a potential loss. Boise State, Texas, at Kansas State, Oklahoma, at TCU, West Virginia. Those are toss-up to losses in my book. That's six games. And so that's why I'm kind of feeling push under on Oklahoma State at eight. Mike Gundy is just daring us to take this under. Yes. Like I, I look at the eight, and I'm like you. Like I look at the eight, and I'm like, oh, Taylor Cornelius is a starter, or I don't know, maybe Drew Brown. Like, uh, who's who's that? But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, Justice Hill is still a stud at running back. Jalen McCleskey and Tyron Johnson and Dylan Stoner. That's still going to be one of the best receiving cores in, in the Big Twelve. That you know, Mike Gundy's got a way of getting this. Eight wins is a bad season. Like eight a wins a season. down year. Yes. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, think about it. Like they've, you know, I've, I've got their last five years in front of me. I, I could look at. I mean, they've hit ten wins five, for the last five years, and I, I can't. I don't think many of those years we were looking preseason at, at a who's who list of of names. Uh, and so I'm. 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 All this to say, I'm with you. I am on a push to under. But I also am fully prepared to, you know, have Mike Gundy running up the score on people and uh, and and just sort of laughing all the way home while while we're sitting at our under at there sitting, you know, knocking on the door of nine or ten wins. So uh, that's this is one of those hard ones. But I, I took the push under. I think the I think the what where do you see and we'll get to them later. Where do you see Boise State right now? I think I think the Boise State Oklahoma State game could be the like one of those games that uh, sort of hinges on where Oklahoma State hits on that number. Which you know, if if you're taking either side of this, I would say pay close attention. Not only because you're going to learn a lot about uh, Oklahoma State, but because that game could end up playing a big factor. Yeah, I agree, and that's a that's a. I mean, that is a that's a no take the temperature game, non-conference game. Like that's yeah, and that's a. I wonder who's favored in that game, you know? I mean, the, Oklahoma State's got them at home, but I wouldn't say it's a given that they're favored to win that game. Uh, you know, Boise State has got Troy and UConn first two weeks of the year to to 
to get feeling good, and I bet they look good in those two games, even though Troy gave them trouble last year. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be. Uh, I think you're right. Like that's that's losable. Uh-huh. But there's but here's here's the thing with Oklahoma State. This is why the entire conference is 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 so tough to pick, and that's why like when we did the Pac-12, I I literally picked game by game everything that happened in the season for every team, and that's how I got my my win totals. I can't do that in the Big 12 because there's just too many coin flips. So yeah. me, it's just about looking at the teams, feel, seeing how I feel about them, and seeing where there's value. Because, like, look at Oklahoma State's schedule. And you can say this about a lot of these teams, obviously, but Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, uh, it's not a coin flip, but it's close. Kansas win, you would think. Iowa State, I, I mean, that's a good Iowa State team. Kansas State, that's a good Kansas State team. Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma, West Virginia, TCU – None of those games are games where Oklahoma State should be favored by like more than a touchdown at, at first glance. I think the uh, the conference ends up being, um, especially right now, it's like Oklahoma's going to finish uh, at the top of the conference. Kansas is going to finish at the bottom of the conference, and then the other eight teams are all going to be either four and five, five and four, and like one team will be six and three. Yep. I mean, it's yep. just and and, and you're a hundred percent right. That's what makes like. Trying, trying to nail these down, especially with all these numbers. Like we've already gotten down to eight, and everything that we're about to hit is between eight and six. But Oklahoma State, um, yeah, I don't. I'm, I, I count. I'm, I'm a little. How about this? I am not down on Oklahoma State, and I will not be surprised if they finish the regular season nine and three. But I'm, I am blinded by either the shiny objects or some of the things going on elsewhere in the conference that probably has me looking at a couple of these games and thinking that they might not go Oklahoma State's way. You could make an argument that Oklahoma State has the best skill offensive talent in the Big 12. Wow, more than Oklahoma? I think you could make that argument. With Justice Hill, with Jalen McCleskey, if, assuming Tyron Johnson takes a step forward now that it's sort of his show and he's not playing behind those other guys, Dylan Stoner, I mean, that's a, that's a loaded receiving core along with what I think is one of the best backs in the country in Justice Hill. I mean, that's a – yeah, you could make a case others are better too, but you could make a, a serious argument that Oklahoma State's skill is, is the best in the Big 12. But we're still going pushed under. Yeah, still going pushed under. All right. I'm uh, just hedging my bets there. <laughs> just making sure that there's an audio file floating in the ether right, of me right. saying good things uh, yes. about this Oklahoma State skill group. Uh, <laughs> TCU, a win total set at seven and a half. And looking at this schedule, uh, how, A, I think this is fun, but how crazy is it that we're going to get like another kickoff game in week three with Ohio State and TCU? playing in uh jerry world it's great and and i finally vegas has given me a number i can work with here because seven and five is tasty to me for tcu mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm i feel pretty good about the over wow nice okay all right tell me tell me why okay so this, what, what, another team this is another team where you look at just look at the track record for gary patterson he, he's he's one of the best in the country Without argument, correct. And he was eleven and three last year, like quietly. He was eleven and two two years ago. He was twelve and one in two thousand fourteen. Like this dude wins double digits regularly. Like this, this isn't a 
this like somehow TCU continues to to like have this tier two reputation when they're always a contender in the Big Twelve, and and they're and they're they're a team that can beat anybody that's on their schedule. And so the the second part of this argument is like when when Patterson's teams are really good, it's typically about their defense, and this is going to be a really good defense for him. You know, their front six, front seven is is I think among the best Gary Patterson's had. Wow. And so there've been a lot it, of pros to come out of TCU in the last 5 or 6 years. Yeah, and then you look at their their I I I have some questions about um quarterback. Because Sean Robinson was just okay when he had some spot duty last year. You know, Justin Rogers is a true freshman coming in who's coming off injury. He's extremely talented. But I'm not convinced he's ready in year one. But assuming Sean Robinson, who I assume he'll win the job. If he wins the job, assuming he's decent, they've got, I think, one of the best running back combos out there in, in Darius Anderson and, and Shewo Olanilua. Um, that's, a, that's a really good one-two punch. Kevante Turpin is, is instant offense, both out of the slot and as a return guy. And then you got Jalen Rager, who's as athletic as there is in America. Like there's, they'll find some offense, and if and if you assume this defense is going to be really good, they're going to figure out some points on offense. They got too much talent not to. So, I think seven and a half is a gift. Wow. So do you, would you take it all the way to nine and three? Like if I That's said this I at eight and a half, be, I think they'll be nine and three. Wow. At least, if not better. I mean, I think that that's if you're looking for a. Uh, you know, look, they were in the Big 12 title game last year. Why are people forgetting that? They're in the Big 12 title game last year. I know that they only have 11 starters coming back, but they have 11 good starters coming back. Right. All right. So I, I go back to the, the Gary Patterson track record and think that um, when you have, like, when you've got the reboot season from a personnel perspective, you will catch a, a seven and five, six and six. Yes. True. Um, and, and when, with, like, this is one of those uh, seasons where I, I do feel like the like this run um, that you just mentioned of you know twelve wins, playing four Big Twelve championships, sharing the Big Twelve championship, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Like I, I, I could see this being the dip year, and I would expect an immediate return to uh, being right back at the top of the conference. But I, I here's my losses: uh, Ohio State, Texas, Oklahoma, at West Virginia, and wait for it at Baylor. I'm, I mean, look, I'm not gonna. You'll see here my Baylor opinion. I'm not gonna scoff at any Baylor upsets that are called on this podcast. And and I will say this: I, for a couple of these Big Twelve schools, I filled out their their full schedule. I didn't do that with TCU. I don't know where they're going to lose, and I don't know where they're going to win. Because TCU is weird. We can't. You can't put your finger on TCU. <laughs> right, they're a right. manic, manic team. But if you're like an Ohio State fan listening to this podcast, and you're and you're chalking up a, a win there, uh, you may want to you may want to slow your roll there. Like this, this is that, that is not a gimme in in Arlington, and I, I just think this is a team. Knowing Gary Patterson, knowing that the talent they've got coming back on defense, knowing some of the explosive threats they've got on offense, I just they'll find nine wins. I don't know where this is going to come. They're just going to find nine wins somewhere. 
Uh, you know how uh, TCU Ohio State goes? Is TCU leads like 24-13 going into the fourth quarter and loses 27-24. Yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. Ohio State gives up a couple dumb touchdowns early and then their defense locks it down and J.K. Dobbins just keeps – Keeps banging away, and then he's yeah, going to break a couple like runs. A, there's, there's a strip sack uh, in the red zone <laughs> right. you know, in, the, in the late in the third quarter that, that sort of turns the tide. Yeah, yeah I yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, West Virginia. All right, so I'm under. Barton's over. TCU frogs will be a lot of fun to watch. Um, West Virginia. Big, big, that's one of our bigger discrepancies in terms of you sit looking at, at – no more than seven wins, and I'm thinking at least nine wins. So that's a that's a pretty big that's a pretty big difference of opinion there. We'll have so, to, we'll so have to when circle say, back on that one. When you say seven and five is a gift, are you is it in lock consideration? It is in lock consideration. Sick. All right. It is in lock consideration. Yes. That's fun because then if TCU beats Ohio State, you're cruising. Oh yeah. Then it's. I mean, there's a couple like if Washington beats Auburn, the over has hit. If right. TCU beats Ohio State, the over has hit. Cash your cash, you know, go spend that advance money, you know, buy, you know, buy a new suit, whatever you got to do, because it's that that that's that's cashing. T- take t- take your girl or guy to dinner. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, all right, West Virginia's number is set at seven. We were talking on the phone earlier, and I, and I hinted at this, but um, by where uh, two months ago. I, I might have been like, Will Greer, best quarterback in the Big 12. David Sills, best wide receiver in the Big 12. Best uh, quarterback-wide receiver combo. And, and where Barton would normally come in and be like, yeah, and you know, you love Tony Gibson, and you got to think that that defense is going to be good. Uh, I, I'm looking at a West Virginia number of seven. I've been talking about this team like they could win the Big 12. And I think this is a push to under. I agree. And, and, and yet I couldn't. I could envision a scenario in which they are competing to win the Big 12 late in the year. It's just a Dana Holgerson team that you can't predict, but I'm I'm with you. I think push to under. Like if I had to I may even just take the under. In the in the sense of like there's got to be some losses somewhere in this conference. Um I'll take the under. And 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 also when you consider their schedule's I mean, tough think, compared yeah. to like the they don't get like they get uh, Oklahoma in Morgantown, and they get TCU in Morgantown, and but those are both at like the very end of the season after they've already gone through a non-con that includes Tennessee in I think a kickoff game, and then at NC State in Week Three. I mean, neither of those are guaranteed wins. No, no, like, uh, absolutely. I, I I was I was looking at it and I was like, man, if if they are playing for the Big Twelve title in late November, then yeah, things are setting up for it to be a really special month and a lot of excitement and college game day and everything else will probably be going on uh, around. But they, I mean, what, what happens if Will Greer gets hurt? You know, like, are you, are, I, I, I have, I have pondered that exact question and it's troubling to think, I mean, you could, you could make a case that Jack Allison, the transfer from Miami is competent and capable. I don't know that to be true, but it might be true. Um, in which case, they, they'll be okay and they'll survive. I just, you know, the, when 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 West Virginia went ten and three in twenty sixteen, it wasn't about the offense; it was the defense. Yeah. And so I, I don't have any 
less respect for Tony Gibson as a defensive coordinator. But look, I mean, they're they're turned five starters on defense. They've got some playmakers among that crew. But I don't. I'm not just. I'm not looking at this roster, uh, this defensive personnel, and seeing like a, a bunch of guys that are going to, you know, be no doubts dudes that keep pace with the rest of the you know the offenses they're going to have to face. I just. I don't know. I. Uh, 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 when you look at teams and you're trying to find areas where you're where you have confidence and where you don't, this is a team I just I don't have confidence in. As good as Will Greer is, as good as that wide receiving core he's going to throw to is, uh, this is not a team that inspires the same level of confidence that uh, that some of the others in this conference do. And I think Jake Spavital is has something to prove this year as well. I mean, he's <laughs> <laughs> you know like. that's part of the reason here i just he's not the guy that i i I trust with the keys of the car i hope our good buddy uh cbs sports hq by the way everyone should be watching cbs sports hq cbs sports hq extraordinaire uh matt coca i hope he listens to this at some point to hear that you had you said be down on me (laughs) well just to hear that you said uh jake spavital's got something to prove because I just have these images of being down in Fort Lauderdale for the SEC on CBS last year, and Justin Crawford, who who was like a fun, one of the better running backs in the Big Twelve last year, thousand yard rusher, I think so, and he would have like four good runs, and then they just wouldn't feed him the ball anymore. Like the the yeah. frustrations with Spav are running strong and deep through West Virginia fan base, at least from what I can tell. Uh, so so Coca is has has his doubts as well, huh? Oh, it just would be screaming about Spavital going through this <laughs> the office and the studios. Like like beaten down, just knowing it's like, oh, well, you know, we've got a fourteen point lead, so what are we gonna do? We're gonna throw it every down. Thanks, Spavital. <laughs> well, uh yeah, I mean that's um but that's sort of the the plight of a West Virginia fan. Like it's just it's never going to be easy, you know. It's always going to be exciting and like there's going to be some uh, some some crazy. Like it's just never going to be like a the way they get to ten and three is going to be ugly if they get to ten and three, and it'll be exciting if they end up six and six too. They'll have some, they'll have they'll have some some crazy moments, but it's never going to be uh, as expected. Yeah the uh, the ten and three season was the one where. Uh it was it was snowing and Oklahoma was in town and if they win this game they got the inroad on the Big 12 and like Oklahoma won by 24 yeah <laughs> <laughs> so frustrating again so a so a sobering review uh for your boy coming coming out of an off season where i was thinking that Will Greer was going to be a Heisman trophy contender i think you're right no like in passing it's very easy to be like oh uh, west virginia's got a shot at winning the Big 12 this year and I'm not saying that they don't, but on, upon further review, it feels a lot less likely than the sort of drive-by window shopping where you say, that looks, that looks pretty. Um, all right. So we're both going pushed under on that one. Yeah, I'm just going straight under. Great. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, you've got Will Greer back? Have fun with this six and six. But- yeah, man. Welcome to the Big 12. I, I, I love like yelling about how the Big 12 is underrated. This is a tough MFN conference, man. This is a tough conference because every game is is losable. Uh, Ohio State's number, not Ohio State, Iowa State's number is set at six and a half. And this is, this one was probably 
one of my favorites to break down because after what we saw last season, uh, uh, a Matt Campbell-led Iowa State program should never be taken for granted. David Montgomery is a phenomenal running back. Uh, They got Zeb Nolan back at quarterback. This is going to be a good team, but you've got, as you just mentioned, uh, the Big 12 is very tough. Iowa State is at a little bit of a talent deficit. Our numbers set at six and a half, and even though they did beat Oklahoma and TCU last year, Iowa State still took some losses. So where are you with the Cyclones uh, headed into 2018? Uh, This is another one of the teams that I just – I look – I don't really care what the schedule is. I don't really care what the teams on the schedule are because that doesn't really matter. What matters is Matt Campbell is a coach I believe in to to overachieve. They've got a really good quarterback room um, with Kyle Kemp and Zeb Nolan. They've got arguably the best running back in the country. I know that there's probably Ohio State fans and Wisconsin fans and Florida State fans and Stanford. Alabama fans that that would Stanford fans that would that that think you know they want to you know throw throw rocks at my house for that but like it's true like he might be the best running back in the country uh, and then and then they got I think a defense that's going to be really good and so I that's another team like I don't I don't I'm not sure where it's all going to come from but. I just like this team to figure out a way to get to some wins, and 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 I I trust Matt Campbell, um, and I think you know what like they'll they got Kansas State at home into the year. They I mean like Texas Tech's a win I think West Virginia's a win I think uh, I think they upset somebody whether it's Oklahoma or or Texas or uh, Iowa. I mean this is just a, this is just I think Matt Campbell builds this thing in a way that it doesn't matter what the names are. I think that they've developed well under this, within this program and within the system, and they'll be ready to, for their turn. For Iowa State and Baylor, uh, who, who we'll get to next, I, I was able to break this down in, in tiers. Uh, South Dakota State, Akron, Kansas, I'm giving Iowa State a win. Um, the, the true toss-up games, in my opinion, Iowa, Texas Tech, and Baylor, Texas Tech and Baylor, are in Ames, and so I lean Iowa State. And then I look at the who's Iowa State going to go get because they're going to get somebody. And the fact that they get Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Kansas State in Ames, all those games at home, I think they get two of the three between Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Kansas State. That gets them to five. Then I think between Texas Tech, Baylor, and Iowa, they can get two more, and this will be a very exciting team to watch contend every single Saturday but we're probably sitting I'm going over but I think we are probably sitting around seven and five at the end of the year eight oh, and yeah. five after a bowl yeah. win I like that breakdown I think those tiers make sense and those uh, but but yeah I'm not I don't think this team's nine and three but I think seven and five this year and look I think they're recruiting really well right now that's and interesting it's and I, and I think like next year you know, maybe it's eight and four. And then the year after that, like we could be seeing some pretty crazy stuff from Ames. I don't know. I, and I always like watching games that are, are in like big games in Ames. I feel like that fan base gets excited. I think that place is going to be rocking here for the next couple of years. That's just my hunch. How long do you think Matt Campbell over under Matt Campbell um, seasons left at Iowa state two and a half? Uh, when is 
Michigan State or Ohio State coming open. Like he's not going to leave for any job. I don't think he goes and like takes the Auburn job or LSU job or something. Like he's he's going for the right job, which is a a Michigan State or a you know an Iowa or like that kind of. I don't. He wouldn't leave Iowa State for Iowa. But but you guys like I, I think he understands what what his what the right fit for him is. And I don't think he would leave for just any job. I think he'll leave eventually, but right. I don't think it'll be for. Uh, I think it'll be when Mark D'Antonio bounces. Which job do you think comes open first, Notre Dame or Michigan State? God, that's a great question. Because I don't know. I think Notre I think Dame? In, I think in the Midwest, in the Midwest region, the next top tier job that's open, I think, is Notre Dame. Feels like Mark D'Antonio is the type of coach that could just coach forever. Right. Like he's, he, he is like, not going to do like Bob Stoops. In a decade. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like he keeps on getting better looking every year. Like he's just like he's 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 the same guy he was in 1995. Like I so I'm just uh, I don't have any like confidence that that's coming to a close anytime soon because he he sort of weathered the off field issues storm and now he's you know we'll get to the Big Ten. Next week, I guess maybe, but uh, I mean they're 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 off and running again. Matt Campbell, uh, ooh, started his career at Pittsburgh. He ain't leaving Iowa State for Pitt. Yeah, he never coached there either, and he finished. Uh, he played at Mount Union after that. All right, yeah. yeah, I I I think I think Notre Dame is the the next elite job, and maybe maybe then. Oh man, we're just gonna just throw out some. Some ridiculous. Uh, you've been spending too much time on the message boards, and I've caught it. So Notre Dame comes <laughs> open. Urban Meyer goes to Notre Dame. Ohio State hires Matt Campbell. Everyone's there you, there happy. You go. There you go. Breaking news. <laughs> All right. Uh, Baylor. Baylor's number is set at six. Barton. Uh, you. For me, it's all about the start of the year for them, and sort of where this goes. Uh, but what you go first. What, what are you thinking? Looking at the Bears. Okay. Well, first of all, were you surprised to see that number at six? I mean, I was I was all ready to be this, you know, smart, sharp on Baylor and, you know, pushing all my chips forward on the over because they went one and eleven last year and Vegas set the line at four and oh man, that's easy money. But they, I, I guess maybe I'm not as, uh, I'm not I don't have the inside knowledge I thought. Like I guess everyone knows Baylor's supposed to be a lot better this year. Like right. is that? Is that common knowledge that Baylor is going to be good this year? It is. Uh, it is a belief, I think, that Baylor is going to be able to, and I th- and I think some of that comes from. Um, let me let me pull this up. I, like, how often does Vegas set a a, a win total line right after plus, plus five? Yeah, from the year before, which kind of makes you just want to take the under, just on its face. Yeah, yeah, but like so I. I I'll work backwards here. I I, I got I pushed. I think they go six and six, but I'm not gonna play. Like, I would not play the under here. I would play push to over. And look, I sort of looked bad last year because I I talked up Matt uh, Matt Rule so much before the season, and then they went one and eleven. But it was a it was a deceptive one and eleven. A lot of close losses, and. 30, yeah, I mean it's it's thirty eight to thirty six to West Virginia, twenty three thirteen to Iowa State, uh, thirty eight twenty four to Texas Tech, thirty three twenty forty nine forty one eight point loss to Oklahoma in September. Um, 
They did not look outclassed. Right. But they did lose a lot of games. So I, I had a chance to um, – when I went out to the opening uh, event a couple weeks ago, uh, I drove down to, to uh, Baylor and had, had uh, lunch with a couple of their coaches. And so I got a little bit of insight. And there's a lot of reasons. Like I was already feeling pretty good about Baylor, but they're confident and who isn't. So obviously take it with a grain of salt. But I, I do think like they have talent. They had talent last year, but I think that there's a lot at play there. I mean, one, they, they, you know, four guys transferred or two, like four offensive linemen transferred or two more got kicked off the team or something. Like they lost a bunch of offensive linemen. They were really short on offensive line. I had to move a couple tight ends to to offensive line. Um, This year they've got four starters returning on the offensive line and, and, uh, another grad transfer from Clemson, uh, Jake from Morgan. So they should be better there. They went from, I think, like the numbers, like they had like six scholarship offensive linemen last year to now they have like 26 or something in one year. Like it's something ridiculous like that. So offensive line should be better. Charlie Brewer, year two, he's, a, he's talented. They've got dudes at receiver. And here's the one that is exciting is um, Jalen Hurd. Remember that guy from Tennessee? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like they they think he is really good. Like at, at not at not at running back, but at wide receiver, there is optimism over there that he is like an elite national, one of the best in the country at at receiver. Interesting. Um, so I think that's going to be very interesting. You know, they returned seventeen starters total. I just think I I I do trust in Matt Rule. I do think that they've evaluated and I think this pro this, these guys can really develop um I'm I just I would feel a lot better about this over than this under wow and, and I'll, I'll take them at six and six but I'm I'm not taking them at five and seven I'll, I'll I'd rather go seven and five than five and seven all right so I've got three wins Abilene Christian UTSA in Kansas uh I've got four definite losses Oklahoma Texas Iowa State and West Virginia and then my upset potential for Baylor, Oklahoma State, and TCU. My toss-ups, Duke, Texas Tech, and Kansas State. And uh, to tease a little bit of what I've got coming, I don't know how many of those toss-ups they win. I'm, I'm a little bit a little bit more favorable on Kansas State and Texas Tech. So I, I've got pushed to under. But I think that, like, and this is where Vegas setting the number at six is so interesting because – to go from one and eleven to six and six, like forget what the Vegas over under total is. Like that's a great season, yeah. for Matt Rule in year two. Yeah, no, it is. It really is. And I think that, I mean, that's the difference. I mean, they were competitive last year, but then they got to start winning some of those games. And then all right, so they won some of those games. Now they got they got to start winning more. I'm really interested in that Duke game in week three. I think because I think Duke's going to be pretty good too. That's a that's a really interesting matchup to me. But this is the type of team again. Like this is why this is this is my Big Twelve rant again. Like they can beat Oklahoma, they can beat Texas, they can beat TCU. Like they can beat any of those teams. This could be that Iowa State type of team this year. You think where, so? I think so. <sighs> Look, man. There's there, there's Denzel Mims and Chris Platt and Jalen Hurd. Those guys on the outside can run with anybody. Uh, but Charlie T- Brewer in year, 
Harrison Hand's one of the biggest freaks in the country. Graylin Arnold's is like a 10 400 meter guy or something. Blake Lynch at 6'3, 225 pounds at safety is a is a is kind of a beast. Like across the board, they got this grad transfer from Temple who's like 6'3 and jumps 40 inches that plays cornerback. So I, I just when you're talking about lining up on the field and having the dudes to 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 play head up against these other top tier teams in the conference, they've got them. It's just a match. It's just a matter of like changing the culture. Like at Baylor, our, what our brows did there is amazing, and and yet you can Matt Rule coming in is is doing something different. Like the way they won games at Baylor under under our brows, like. It was a culturally, it was different. I mean, it was worse, but it was different. And and under Matt Rule, it's got to be a tougher, more physical culture, and that takes time transitioning them to play with that different style. And so I just think that this is a it's a it's a process. I just think Baylor is has the the talent uh, to to see that process sort of start to click pretty quickly. I think if Baylor's going to win seven games, they need to start four and zero, and that includes and that Duke I game. I think that that's. I think that's pretty possible. I mean, like Duke's at home. Yeah, for sure. I, I bet it's, I bet that's a I bet that's Baylor plus two and a half is the line, something like that. Are you going to take it? Yeah, I will. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I'll see how Daniel Jones looks those first two weeks. Um, Kansas State's number is set at six. We got. Let's see. Um, like. You've got another. You got another UTSA on the schedule. You've got UTSA. They're yeah. They're they're diving in on these. Big 12 schedule. That's a, that's a tough little run for UTSA. Uh, so I got Kansas State wins, South Dakota, UTSA, Kansas, and Texas Tech. And then you've got a couple of teams coming to Manhattan that they could get wins against in Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas. So that's seven teams. I I feel like Kansas State is 6-6. Six and six. I'm going push over as my call with the idea that between Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas – Kansas State ends up getting two of them, maybe three. Yeah, put push, push to over for me as well. Uh, this is maybe the toughest one for me to pick because I, I don't know, man. Like they, it, they've got two really good quarterbacks. I like that. It's just this is just a Bill Snyder team. Like they're going to be in every game, and how you know does the does the quarterback draw on third and 15 uh, work in the fourth quarter? Right. Um, you know, sometimes it's going to, sometimes it isn't. I, I, I don't really feel comfortable <laughs> picking this team. It's just, I think they're, I think they're going to be well coached like they always are. Um, and I think the quarterback, like if you've got good quarterbacks at Kansas state, they figure out a way to, to move the football. So I, I'm, I'm not going to pick under. I mean, so I, I guess that's pushed over. Yeah. I, I by the way, uh, that Baylor game is going to be in Waco, but I, I still in my in my count, I still have that as a Kansas State win. The I, I had when I picked Miss, like, I think Mississippi State is going to be one of the best teams in the country, and yet I've picked a Mississippi State schedule. Uh, we'll see, see what, if I change my mind for our podcast, but I picked a Mississippi State schedule on the record earlier this uh, this summer, saying that. Kansas State beats them in Manhattan week two. Um, but Kansas uh, State's definitely going to beat Texas, right? That's that's what? the one I probably feel the most confident about. <laughs> like they get they get Texas and Oklahoma State uh, in Manhattan. 
And between those two, it definitely feels like the Texas one is like, that's that that's, uh, that's the inexplicable, like Texas might beat USC, but they'll lose to Kansas state and Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, like a lot of this has to do with how much do you trust Bill Snyder and also how much do you stress? Like there's, there's new coaches in place there and, and, and they, they lost, uh, you know, there's some turnover in that coaching staff. I've heard really good things about Andre Coleman, their their new OC. Um, I think that that tells me that they're still going to be able to be really effective moving the football. And and defensively, I think they're pretty simple. And they, it's, it's, it's more about just sticking with the system. And so, I don't know. I, I, this is, I, would not bet, I would not bet against this Kansas State team. Um, I got I got this t- so uh, pushed over pushed over once again for Baylor uh, Barton on pushed over chip on pushed to under uh, all of these are set at six Texas Tech's also set at six and is it crazy and this is this is a Tom Fernelli nugget this is something that Tom I, I hope I'm not uh, undercutting him because I I find it fascinating enough to introduce to the conversation early is it possible to like what Texas Tech could be defensively this year at least compared to texas tech standards sure i mean they got what 10 starters back uh you know dakota allen it's really good jordan brooks it's really good uh there's some players but i don't like i don't know that it's about personnel though that's the problem with like spread is when if you if all you're doing is playing seven on seven in practice all day long, to to oversimplify it, then when it's time to to really set the edge and fill an alley, like it's a just it takes a little bit of a different mentality. That's like Kansas State, for example. Like apparently those guys are practicing like three hours a day on like Thursday. You know what I mean? Like those guys, like the reason that they're tough and they're always going to play physical is because they practice that way. And I just think if you're going against a Cliff Kingsbury offense every day in practice, that your personnel can be as good as anyone in the country, but it's always going to put a ceiling on what you can be defensively. So even if uh, Texas Tech defensively can be good on a per-play basis statistically, when we're talking about overall team success, we're still talking about a group that when you're sitting down to watch the game, it will feel like is letting down the offense. I just think when you're – it's a – it's about like the habits you create and practice every day. And if, and if, and if you are practicing against a cliff Kingsbury offense every day, I think it's really hard to develop the kind of mentality to be an elite level defense. So I'm not saying they can't be a good defense, right? Cause I think it looks like it's going to be a good defense. I guess the question is, you know, is McLean Carter just a, another plug and play cliff Kingsbury quarterback that's going to throw for a million yards because they do have some pretty good weapons around them still, T.J. Vasher and DeLeon Ward. Uh, I just I don't know. I, I I think I will go under here, push to under. <laughs> I'll go push to under just because if you know if we're counting on the defense at Texas Tech, like I don't know if that's if if that's necessarily something to hang your hat on. Um. So I, I just have more. I have more faith in the other teams in this conference than Texas Tech. So, in Texas Tech's non-con is not cupcakes. Um, Mississippi's a, Mississippi is a 
Ole Miss is a, a very real loss possibility, and so is Houston. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to say, so what? Where where would are you chalking those both as wins losses? I I think I penciled Ole Miss in for a win there earlier in the year because I think Ole Miss is going to be Ole Miss has better one to twenty two starting personnel than, than Texas Tech, and they have an, another explosive offense as well. And I think they'll be able to outscore Texas Tech. I'm more I'm worried about Ole Miss late in the year as as attrition starts to hit and guys are getting hurt and they're going for their backups that, that aren't, aren't the same level as they've been in the past. So week one is a good spot for Ole Miss to get a team like this. So I like Ole Miss winning that game. And I think Houston is a very losable game for Texas tech. And then again, when you get into the schedule, Dude, they could the schedule, start, they could start one in six. They no, could. the one in five, one, one in, five. in five. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. I mean, they're at TCU on a Thursday night. Uh, West Virginia, the, they can hang in a shootout. Um, Oklahoma State's comfortable playing Texas. That's yeah, it could it could be two and five at the end of October or whatever. I mean, I, I like I trust Iowa State more. Don't you? Yeah, I, I. So my losses for sure. Losses I have for Texas Tech are at Oklahoma State, at TCU, at Iowa State. At Kansas State, I think that one of either Oklahoma or Texas, but 100% not both of them, I think one of those two can be your big November, Big 12 getting weird and crazy upset win. Sure. They got one of those in them, yeah. So that so that gets our lost count to five. I think they can beat Baylor uh, at the end of the year in what I'm pretty sure is a neutral site game. I think they can beat Kansas. So you're basically looking at like the the West Virginia at home and then Houston and Ole Miss. Like those those games are going to be the one that decide where this land. I wrote down push to over, but I'm I'm kind of thinking that you know that's that that is an investment in Texas Tech being able to get it. Like wasn't Texas Tech Houston last year like one of the worst football games of the season? Uh, I like it was. I didn't watch it, but I remember kind of seeing it from afar and and being. You know, like feeling mildly like unpleasant, Unple- feeling disgusted, <laughs> just sort of what was happening. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, if if you're looking, uh, if you're looking around for, you know, maybe maybe things could get weird. I, I guess that it, I was putting, I'm putting some chips on uh, Texas Tech not starting two and five because if they don't, then I think that they can hit seven and five. If they do start two and five, then they are going to finish four and eight or five and seven. And then that's where it brings me to my next question. Does Cliff Kingsbury lose his job at that point? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't, yeah, like, like it's, I don't think it's a given that he's, that he, you know, loses his job if they don't get to a bowl. Is that because maybe, it's Texas maybe, Tech? I, maybe I, maybe that, maybe I don't have a good handle on the temperature in Lubbock right now. Maybe right. I'm mis, misguided on that, but I don't think so. I, I think, like, A, who, you better know who you're going to hire. And B, you know, this is the the prodigal son. This is you know they they have an exciting offense. They're always going to have a chance to win every game, um, and they have like I think it depends on what the five and seven looks like. Honestly, it'll it's be, a competitive five and seven. I, I think I think that's not smart to fire him. Frankly, if it's a five and seven with one of those either one of those two either Oklahoma or Texas right. home wins, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably that that's probably the most likely scenario is that 
There's a rough start to the season. The chips are down, and he finishes the year with one of those two home wins and then beats Baylor in the finale. Yep. Save the season. Save your yep. job. Whoop, whoop. Uh, all right, finally, wrapping things up here in the Big 12, Kansas. Uh, Vegas has set the number at three. David Beatty, always uh, David, another, just a, a very, very tall task. Uh, every single year we Barton Barton declaring big 12 toughest conference in college football and Kansas uh, decidedly at the bottom of that toughest conference. Uh, So our non-con nickel state at central Michigan and then Rutgers either at home or neutral. I'm guessing it's going to be at home. Um, I only see one definite win there. In, in their non-conference yeah. or just in the whole schedule? No, oh, no, in the non-con. I think they could win uh, one hey, Big 12 game being weird, for sure. They do. All right, okay, all right. Because uh, that's, that's you know, that's new. I mean, they beat, they, they beat Texas. They did beat Texas so. and took the goalpost down. <laughs> but it hadn't happened very often other than that. Um, you know, the worst team in the conference is returning 19 starters. I don't know how to feel about that. Those are 19 starters that only won one game last year. Uh, eight senior starters on defense. Not sure how to feel about that. Those are eight seniors that have won three games in their career. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know, man. I I kind of I, I sort of feel like they could go undefeated in the non-conference. And then go winless in the in the conference, and then so that's that's kind of my hunch, you know. But Rutgers, I would think, is a, is 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 improved. Yeah, I don't I don't think Rutgers is a W. Yeah, I know. I'd say, trust me, nothing's a given. I'm just uh, so I don't know. I'm I I guess I'm gonna stick with the. I guess I'm gonna stick with the under. Yeah, and that's so sad to say aloud about a, a team with a win total of three. But I don't know where it comes from. I think from. it's a better win. I think their last year their win total was two. Their their preseason win, if I remember correctly. So they're they're trending up in the eyes of Vegas. Um, probably because of the senior class that's lost like fifty games in the last four years. That's right. That's right. <laughs> How am I supposed to take that? How do you do you attribute something to that? Like the because because there is that they bring back this many starters. They've got this many seniors, and then. The, the next level, the like galaxy brain version of that is like, yeah, but what have those players done? Do you remember last year when we did our Big 12 podcast and like you were like ready to skim over Kansas and I stopped you and I said, wait a minute, like I like Kansas. And yeah, I, I, I do now. I feel good about Do you remember that? I do now. I had yes. forgotten it. I was like, stop stopping right there in your tracks, Chip. Mike Lee's a really good player. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong is a is a really good player, and like I didn't expect them to go to a bowl or anything, but I I expected them to sort of have one of these like competitive in every game type of seasons, and it didn't. That wasn't really how it happened. I, uh, they, you, I they weren't competitive in any game. You had me scrambling for Kansas's depth chart at the last <laughs> second. Like, wait a second, <laughs> wait, I didn't. I, Barton, I did not have this in the show notes for today. It's part of the script. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're both going uh, pushed under or just straight up under on the Jayhawks. 
Uh, that's that's the Big Twelve, man. That's the the league where we probably feel the least amount of confident, but we are the most excited to watch how it plays out. Yes, yeah, uh, I yeah. This is going to be a fun, zany, wacky year in the Big Twelve. Which is why it's going to be Kansas over Texas at home. <laughs> See it. <laughs> Bring it. I mean, I'll tell you what. That Kansas-Texas game, it's the Friday after Thanksgiving at noon. That's trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's Yeah, there's not a lot of energy about that one. No, 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 not at all. Um, awesome. Good stuff. I will, uh, what, what league do you want to do next? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just need you to, t- I need you to just tell me cause I get, I, 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 I can't, uh, let's do ACC next. That sounds great. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the 24 seven sports college football podcast. ACC is going to be coming up next. Uh, then after that we'll do big 10. Then after that we'll do sec group of five, then our win totals locks, podcast you can follow him on twitter at barton simmons you can follow me at chip underscore patterson please head on over however you get us whether it's on itunes whether it's on stitcher uh give us a five-star review because uh we are trying to give you five-star caliber content and give us let us know what you think about the show uh we always love interacting with you barton thank you very much there.